Now, I know what you're thinking. But Greg, you killed Lou last episode. Yes, I did, and I'd do it again. By the end of this episode, you'll see why Lou's story doesn't end with his death. And that is the big part of his appearance in later mythology. Yes, he does appear, and I will not be going into that too much here, but setting it up instead as a subject for future seasons. This is the last episode of Lou's Tale. And while I fully plan to come back to the Tawatha de Danan in Ireland in the future, it's time to leave them alone. I plan on releasing a few behind-the-scenes episodes after this, but I will be taking a break on account of my daughter's birth at Samhain, hopefully, if she keeps her date, and thereabouts. But rest assured, Season 2 will begin by the end of the year. And I did promise to announce who Season 2 is about, and we're going somewhere the Sons of Turians took us earlier in the season. To the cold, frozen north, where the gods defend humanity from giants and monsters aplenty. To the lands of the Norse we go, across the Great Rainbow Bridge to the first installment of a series of Norse mythology. And who better to start with than the story of how the Allfather got his title and his throne? Season 2 of Goddessy tells the tale of the rise of Odin, king of Asgard. But that's a long ways away. Let's finish Lou. Previously, on Goddessy. Lou of the Tuatha Dé Danann's life was a full one. Prophesied to free his people, Lou was fostered by three different peoples to face the fearsome Fomorians, and ultimately, he destroyed them. He restored the Tuatha Dé Danann to power over Ireland and brought them prosperity. Yet, in his old age, his people have become a pale imitation of the honorable folk they were before, and in the end, it was an old feud that led to Lou's demise, drowned in a lock. Now, Lou follows the trail of his forefathers to the land of youth, where he will face judgment for his life. Welcome to Goddessy, Episode 30, A Dream of Ireland. The sea was vast, infinite, and the waves above, like a great blanket, pulled over him. He felt the water around him. He felt the freedom from pain, though he felt different, as if made of mist, ready to dissolve at a moment's notice. He drifted aimlessly. How had he gotten here? Where was he going? Who was he? He dreamed of a green land, of rolling hills and great forests of oak and ash and holly, of fires that burned in the night and laughter, of kindness, of gladness, of clever words and stories that needed to be told, where the power of words was stronger than the power of a spear, but no less fanciful. He dreamed of a boy, taken by his uncle on a boat across a lake to a castle, where his mother lived, and he dreamed his wife was made of flowers and treacherous. Lou dreamed he had three faces, and was known by many names, the leader of a great confederation of tribes in a fight for survival. He dreamed he led cattle over mountains to a virgin land untouched by gods or man. He dreamed he wielded a mighty club or a spear. The vision changed. He dreamed of many things, but he dreamed of a woman he had never met most of all. A woman with two children, and a man beside her, all happy, all calling to him, asking for him. He felt the arm on him, pulling him up, before he realized he was not dreaming at all. Lifted, the arm pulled him into the ship and sat him down. The other figure gave him a blanket and wrapped him in it. They spoke, but he did not hear it. Though he was not below the water, he felt the same as he had, felt as though he were hardly keeping it together. Then, something licked him. Again and again, it licked him. Lou focused on the hound. Felinus? A stern, deep laugh. He missed you, boy. I think we all did. Boy. 
a name he had not heard in a long time. Yet, he was younger now, younger than he had been in that length of time. He was the young man again. He was Lu Lumfada, Lu of the Long Arm, wielder of the Spear of Assal, master of the Tuathidi Danan. Mananan? Anya? Neither said a word. The ship was small, no bigger than a rowboat, but it held all three, and the hound Felinus within it. A sail above was blasted by a wind that Lou did not feel. It carried them west from the direction the boat took them on a sunless blue sea. Where are we? Headed to Tirnanog, said Anya, dressed in a fine gown of silver and white. She wore her hair in a garland fit for summer, which had begun, Lou realized. Beltane was the mark of its start. He had died at Beltane, an ill omen indeed. So I am dead. Mananan, no less the massive man he was before, laughed. Well, if you weren't, why would you be here? I've no reason to communicate with the living now that I have fostered you and our accord has been met. So, boy, here you are. Boy. It felt more patronizing now. Lou had missed it. Killed by the grandsons of Turian. An ignoble death. Tell me, Anya, will they become king? Any of the three sons? Anya smiled weakly. They will, each of them, all at once. But... You already know that your people are faltering. They have forgotten what it is to rule and be true, Lou. You tried to teach them, but they have forgotten, and so they will have a succession of kings, and each one of them will pale in comparison to you, to Nawada, to Brez even. And when the time comes, a stern wind from the south will bring a sixth people to Ireland. It had all been for naught. All that fighting, all that struggle, so that we could lose Ireland to another group of invaders? Anya smiled. Mananan laughed. You fail to realize your own doing, boy, as always. The deal Taltu and your father made to place Andana Shi in the land, infusing it with the power of generations past. Eru and her sisters, the children of Cesar, the children of Partholon, the Nemedians, the Firbolg, the Tuathididanon. You are stories now. That is what you did. In those hills you reside. And your stories will be told for generations. When the next generation comes, they will learn your stories, learn the power of the fairies, and they will come to know you. You will live forever as a fairy. Lunessa is a holiday for all time, celebrating you. And each of your kin worth knowing, too. You will all be remembered. The stories will not always match. But do they have to? Is a story told from the perspective of the clan of Turian any less valid or true than one that hails you as a hero? Lou didn't belabor the point. In the western distance, the silver city appeared. Tirnanog gleamed. Lou told them of the dreams of the boy in the boat, the flower wife, the betrayal, the cattle raiding, and the leading of people to war against a man whose symbol was an eagle and a suckling wolf. Anya shook her head, leaning over and placing a hand on his face. You didn't dream, Lou. You remembered. This was but one of many lives you will lead. You are worshipped by many, as many gods, as many heroes, in many places. Beyond Ireland's green shores, you are a god well known by many people, a tribal god, a hero for the ages who comes from a line of tricksters. But you are ever the Oathkeeper, and your name means loyalty and bravery always, even when marred by anger and vengeance. Yours is the name oaths are sworn upon. It was reassuring, but he did not fully understand it. It was true, 
but still he did not understand. So I am judged as worthy of Tirnanog, or will I be cast into the sea? Who is here? Anya shrugged. Not my domain. I am not permitted to even set foot in Tirnanog. I am merely here escorting the finest king who has ever lived on my shores, who may yet ever live. Manannan smiled. You know, boy, they are all here. Even Brez McAlothan proved his life had value in stories worth keeping alive. Well-meaning, but ultimately misguided, he will be judged. But come, your story is not yet over. Lou began to ask, but Anya spoke instead. You will be permitted to appear in Ireland from time to time. Kings and heroes will be named for you. And of course, you will appear on battlefields and in dark nights offering sanctuary. But those tales have not yet been told. How will you manifest, I wonder? Whose tales will you create? For the children of gods are rarely insignificant, and you may yet be reduced to a fairy, but you will always be king and god in Ireland, Lou. The fogs beyond began to fade, and there on the shores of the city was the host of the Tuatha Dé Danann waiting for him. Nawada at the front, in his finery, his silver hand apparent, the Dagda, wide and powerful, holding his club and cauldron, Gavita the Smith, Medir and Angus, Ermid and Mick, Dianset too, Brez, even Taltu the Fearbulk was there, smiling at him, her youth returned, but her power not at all diminished. Yet, there were notable absences. Where is Bridget? And the Morrigan? Anya sighed. The Morrigan will never come to Tirnanog. Fate and death will ever be a part of Ireland, and Bridget has work to do. She shall come when the stories of Ireland's past are preserved for all, when your lives pass to myth and legend and the future comes to tell them and write them down, not in Ogham, but in a new tongue, in a new script. The Calic, Bridget, the Morrigan and I do not belong here. But Bridget will join you one day. She shall travel the world first, meet many gods on foreign shores, and even bring hope and happiness to people. She too will have many names. Brigantia, Maman Brigitte, and simply Bridget of Kildare. Gods move in mysterious ways, Lou, but you already know that. He did. This new reality, the reality he had apparently always known, felt strange. He accepted it on a deep internal level, but still, he was not certain of his past or his future. Death was not the end, so what was next? The ship came to shore, and Felinus bound off, barking and summoning his kin. Mananan stepped off the boat and helped Lou, too, and Anya waved them off. You lived well, Lou. Now rest. You deserve it more than any other. Remember that Ireland is a land of sovereign queens, but its kings will not be forgotten. Her boat sailed onward, turning hard and heading back east into the mists. He turned back, his face flushed from emotion, and prepared to meet his kin. He had so much to say, so much to tell them, but they already knew it all, didn't they? They lived in the hills and forests, under rocks and streams. They saw everything, too. They were the noble Tuathididanon, the noble Fae, Andanashi from whom the very land sings the stories of. The people who come next, replacing the Tuathididanon, would rely on them, too. Their magic would be different, their own tales and songs told. But they would come to know the sovereignty of Anya, the fate of the fearsome Morrigan, the compassion of Bridget, and the cold wisdom of the Calic and they would know Lou. Yet, no one spoke. 
A path began to clear through the crowd, and Lou understood. At the back was a man with black hair, holding the hands of two dark-haired boys, giggling. On their far side was a woman with beautiful eyes. Lou recognized all four, and his eyes welled up. His mother, his father, and his two brothers. He had met them at last. Finally, for the first time in his life, Lou was home. This is not, of course, the end of Lou's story. It is merely the end of the season. It is said that Lou has manifested many times in the history of Ireland, for Ireland was invaded again, and the next invaders are, if the myths are true, the last. The Milicians are also known as the Gales, which we know today as the Irish. They came to know the tales of the Tuatha Dé Danann, and indeed, many kings and chiefs were named for Lou. Yet Lou would appear in a final tale, the father of perhaps Ireland's greatest hero. A willful young warrior destined to defend Ulster against all invaders, wielding a spear and fighting for family and for freedom. But that is a tale for another time. Godacy is written, researched, and produced by me, Greg Wright. Additional writing, editing, and eternal support from Sidney Yeager, without whom this project could not have happened. Music by Scott Buckley, who can be found at www.scottbuckley.com.au and on Patreon. He's an amazing artist who deserves much love and respect for his creative commons works. Additional sounds by Tim Kahn. Godacy is very active in the week on social media, where you'll be able to find us in the interim between seasons. We will also be revamping our Patreon in preparation for Season 2, which we'll release there first before going live for everyone else. Those links can be found in the description, and if you want to let me know your thoughts on the season, please drop me a line at goddesspodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how I did and how I can improve for the Allfather. Goddessy's taking a break. We will be back before the winter solstice, when thanks is given to the gods. See you then. <laughs>